All right, you are listening to episode 19 of our podcast. And my name is Dieter Randolph. And I'm Jenny Randolph. And as we gather around, I want to point out that we are broadcasting from Pinfeather Studios, and I know where we're not broadcasting from. We're not broadcasting from a houseboat in uh, St. Petersburg Marina, where I really have been campaigning hard for us to live. It's a great idea. I don't know. It's not a good idea, and it's not for us, and, and I, I'm not sure that I'm really on board, no pun intended. Uh. <laughs> No, really, See, that was not... You could be Goldie Hawn, I could be Kurt Russell. There's so many great no. things about it. No, no, no. Listen, all right, for those of you who, who don't live in this house, I have to explain that um, I have gotten wrapped up in a series of books that came out in the 60s. And, and uh, they're, they're uh, written by a guy named John D. McDonald, and they're completely waste of time, not highbrow at all. They're hard-boiled detective kind of books. Kind I, of pulp. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And I adore them. The The protagonist is a guy named Travis McGee. And it's really interesting because he's like a hard-boiled detective type, but he actually cares. He's got a little bit of ethics. He he actually, he's not a complete misanthrope. He's a friendly guy. It's, it's an interesting mix. But one of the things I like is, you know, I'm in love with Florida. And Florida in that time, in the in the 60s, you know, after all of that, was an interesting time. Florida's different now, and it's sort of recovering and becoming cool in a different kind of way. But in that time, Florida was kind of ring-a-ding, and before the advent of uh, widespread air conditioning, New York came down to Florida, and it wasn't, it was just different. It was weird, and everybody who lived here had a story to tell, and it was, and so these novels are set in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. That's on the other side of Florida. But uh, the character Travis McGee lives on a houseboat, and I have become completely obsessed with the idea that that we sell our house, we live on a houseboat in St. Petersburg Marina, the finest city on the face of the earth, and it's right there. As as we have said, if we had a big bucket of unlimited money, we would live in downtown St. Petersburg. Well, yeah, in a nice condo not on a houseboat and your kids are not for it yeah i your, thought no, i thought they would be are, so excited about it. i'm like guys check this out down. i've got it and i did all the numbers i figured it out i'm like guys we could sell the house and just i found a great houseboat it was a three-bedroom two-bath houseboat of course the rooms are yeah tiny i know and, that, and i'm getting my hair done and my phone is going off buzz 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 even because you know i'm trying not to be rude i'm trying and p.s maybe trying to relax for a minute to get my hair done you know and how I relaxing look, houseboat living is and i look at the phone and it's all of these pictures of like houseboats and things for sales and you're just you're blowing up my phone just with all of these pictures it's it's ridiculous i thought the kids would love it and I told each of them separately because I just happened to run into them separately. And you're not even thinking about the dog. Our dog is not a boat dog. He does not like the water. He doesn't like anything about it. Mostly no. he sits on, on he, and when he's not supposed to, he's on the couch. It's all he does. It's not like he's running track. It's true, but he he is not, he's not a houseboat well, dog. He, he, anyway, he really I thought isn't. the kids would be thrilled. And each of them said, you know, that's going to be great when I move out, you and mom can do that. So that's fine. That's going to be the plan. I like that I get stuck. I, I get stuck with your crazy Listen, your crazy you knew self. what you signed up for. You're <laughs> no, wearing a I ring. No, I didn't. It's going to be awesome. Don't even worry about it. We're going to get a smaller orange couch on a houseboat. It's going to be incredible. You're going to love it. Trust me. And besides... 
every, you know, when we walk in the morning down by the water, where we're going to live someday, um, down by the water we walk and we see all kinds of people. We love walking through downtown St. Pete. That whole neighborhood is incredible. And you know just as well as I do that there are a couple of houseboat dogs that we see all the time. And they're an advertisement for this life. Well, I will say those those puppers are very, very cute. There are a couple it. there are a couple of bulldogs and they're named Izzy and Ike. And I don't know if they're married. It doesn't seem appropriate to ask. You know? It is they are adorable and they they don't wanna go anywhere. They're just big sacks of potatoes and they but their owner, their daddy makes them walk a couple of a couple of little steps down and Because they live on one of the Yeah, because they live on the one of the boats there. And uh, so he makes them, you know, go out and they have their own spot that they go to. But Ike is a little bit darker. He's like a darker brown with the mm-hmm. white and, and Izzy is a blonde. So, <laughs> and she's just adorable. But Izzy is actually a lot more friendly than Ike is. Yeah, she's Ike vivacious is a, Ike is, and yeah. Ike is not interested. He's kind in of your... a curmudgeon. Yeah. So he, he is not interested in anything but eating and sleeping. Yeah, well, he's and... probably the sugar daddy in that situation, and she's a trophy <laughs> dog. You know how it goes. These people that live on boats, you can't trust them. But they are super sweet, and I love I loved seeing them. And I just want to point out that, that our dog, Fresco, could be pals. Fresco could be like the wacky neighbor. He could be Larry to, to uh, Ike's Jack Tripper or whatever. It's I don't know. Just... I don't know. I... I... I'm counting on the listeners. Write in and convince my wife that this is the next phase in our life. When just, Miles and Raina move out, it's we're we're gonna get the houseboat. It's gonna be incredible. Don't even worry about it. You make me tired. Listen, <laughs> you can hear the ocean. It's gonna be great. Okay, so you're not into this obsession. You'll get there. But one thing that we wanted to share with with the listeners is an obsession that we do have in common. We talked about the Daredevil show. uh, Last week, I think. Was it? Mm -hmm. So we finished both seasons of Daredevil. Yep, check. And we finished uh, Jessica Jones, which is the next Marvel Comics Netflix series. Mm -hmm. And we're just about halfway through the Luke Cage. Yeah, yeah. Not quite half, but almost there, yeah. An optimist would say we've got half to go, I suppose. But... um. They're great. The writing is so good. The special effects are so good. I love it that they're dealing with the idea that these are people with superpowers, but that's not the point of the show. Jessica Jones, for example, is a detective, and it's about, you know, no houseboat, but she's a detective, and she's got a problem. You know, she's got all kinds of problems. I love it that when we were kids, the concept of a superhero was, you know, like the Superman idea, who's invulnerable physically but also emotionally psychologically spiritually i i the idea of a superhero was someone who was wholly other yeah un, untouchable unreachable and just literally out of this world yeah and so there's there's a piece of that where if you're not crazy about your life the idea that there's something completely alien um that that's better or if you want to escape yeah and That's it provides a, that escape, yeah, right? absolutely. But as you get older and hopefully more sophisticated, the idea of watching a superhero who's got bills. Oh yeah, they have issues. to they have to like eat and pay for stuff. Yeah, how do you how do you pay for food and maintain a romantic relationship when you're, you know, fighting crime by night? You know, what how does that work? And the moral implications of all of that. And there's there's some really interesting issues with the human side of that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to get too preachy, but it reminds me of, you know, when I teach about Jesus and the disciples, you've got Jesus who is the example of what this divine potential looks like when you live it to the fullest potential. And that's beautiful, but but sometimes that's hard to learn from. But you also got the disciples who are completely in process, who mess it up all the time. Peter represents faith, and he's the one who doesn't have faith and falls in the water. You know, there's there's that element. And so you have both ends of that. And there's something really inspiring about saying, okay, I'm in process too. Yeah, and we, we have... Um... To finish Luke Cage, and then we're on to Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. And then The Defenders, which has all of them, which the preview just came out a couple of days ago. Yeah, look up and The I, Defenders on think, Netflix. I think that comes out in August, so we'll be all we'll be all caught up and ready to go to, to watch uh, The Defenders. But what I think what I really like about all of them is that they are isolated in their particular neighborhoods. Like Daredevil's in Hell's Kitchen and Luke Cage is in Harlem. Mm-hmm. And they're really taking care of their own. They have a love for their city from the neighborhood that they grew up in. And that sort of translates and really motivates them to do the things that they can do. Like, not not any spoilers here, but, you know, Luke Cage is basically trying to hide if you're kind of a superhero he's kind of trying to hide away all of them are i think mm-hmm. jessica jones is too and daredevil is trying to hide a part of himself obviously they're in hiding and yet they decide to go out and make the neighborhood better when they're met with somebody that's trying to take it down and i really i i like that and i like that it's they're not trying to do the superman thing they're not trying to you know what was it superman second where he Superman second. Superman the second. No, no, no. Superman please, please. two. My father is Mister. No, Superman. was it Superman two when he like spins the Earth backwards in no, time? No, that's the first movie. Is that and Margot the first movie? Kidder is in the. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. See, I'm getting them. I'm getting them messed up. But literally, Superman is changing the world. Well, and Superman's job is Earth. You know, and yeah, a lot of like if you watch the Defenders. Huge. I mean the Avengers rather. If you watch the Avengers, their their deal is Earth. Earth, you right? Know? Like, and that's great. Iron Man but, and Thor, yeah. and that's and yeah, like their domain is just Earth, and not only Earth but other planets yeah. too in the in the universe. And that's great. But even as a kid, I was never into that. I was into Spider Man, and he was in his neighborhood. You know, right. Spider Man right. was Brooklyn, and you just he was fixing Brooklyn to the best of his ability. Even Batman, Gotham City. You know, it's just this area. I'm not trying to save the planet. I'm trying to be where I am. And there's something fundamentally appealing about that. Mm-hmm. And and I love that. You know, it when we talk about this stuff, it's like, you know, of course it's got something to change the world. I really believe that these ideas can can change everything, but I just can't get my head around that. I'm not interested in building a church that the whole planet goes to. I don't think, I'm not even interested in building a bunch of churches all over the place. I want to be in this neighborhood and catalyze. And maybe other people be inspired to do other things somewhere else. That's great. And I'll help in any way I can. But I want to be where I am. Yeah, so I've been really super inspired by what they've been doing and seeing. And, And plus, it's just really great storytelling that that they've done they've mm-hmm. done an amazing job with this series absolutely um, really really good so as 
as we do the dig in section of the podcast tonight, that is the perfect lead in to what we had wanted to discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, no accidents in the universe. Everything always kind of orbits, you know, what we want to talk about. I think, you know, thoughts held, held in mind reproduce after their kind. And the thing that we wanted to talk about tonight was how to be a presence in your neighborhood. And I did. we really didn't plan this. We really have been watching the Defender stuff. It, <laughs> honestly, um, you have to take my word for it. But we really did not plan this. I think. I just think that we have been thinking about that lately. Well, and so that's what we bring out. It's the it's the it's the new car phenomenon. You know, when you're looking for a new car, all of a sudden you see that car driving around. It's not like you law of attraction manifested that car. That's not how the force works. You know, the cars were there. You just are now attuned to what was always there. And so you pick up the lessons that you need. Sure. Yeah. But the idea of of being a presence in the neighborhood is absolutely huge for me and i have to say that this is a fairly new development in my life this old dog can learn some new tricks it's not something that i i thought much about you know five years ago let's say i was the social one i was the one that knew the neighbors and i was the one that knew what they were going through and all of their you know celebrations and 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 all of the trials that they were going through and everything else like that i think you tend to be a little bit more reserved when it comes to people and it's probably probably a function of the fact that you're up on stage and you're having to speak to a lot of people a mm-hmm. lot of the time and so i think it's natural to want to retreat back into yourself well, that's part of it, and, for sure. and have some private time but i think the truth about you is you're a bit of an introvert anyway mm-hmm. you know you'll get halfway through a party and then you're like oh i'm i'm okay i'm gonna go upstairs i'm done and that's just your personality it's not anything good or bad it's just the way that it is and i could go all night i could be like you know life of the party yeah you, well and that is absolutely part of it and i've always admired that about you because it is very different than the way you know when i go to a party i usually retreat to the periphery of the room and find something to read because that's just that's that's who i am but it's a lot of stuff i think part of it too is growing up in you know i didn't grow up in st petersburg where there's a sense of local pride. I grew up in sort of generic suburbs like most Americans do, and there was no sense of place at all. It's the same restaurants they have everywhere else. It's the buildings, the houses, the whatever all look the same. There's nothing particularly local about where I spent my time as a teenager. It was just kind of generic. Nothing wrong with it, but nothing distinctive about it. I remember being a teenager, a young teenager, and I was in Chicago and uh, on vacation and it happened to be the night that the chicago bulls this is in the heyday of michael jordan scotty pippen and and everybody and the bulls won the playoffs Mm -hmm. and it was like the city of chicago won you know people were were partying in the streets it was a huge thing i remember looking down from the hotel room and seeing the whole town come alive and as a kid from Clearwater, it, it didn't – it I didn't understand that there could be such a sense of local pride about anything. It wasn't until we moved to St. Petersburg that I remembered, you know, that it's like, oh, wow, this is, a, this is my place and there's something really important about that. I remember being in, uh, in the religious studies program at University of South Florida and learning that the word Israel – in Hebrew scriptures means not just 
the place, but it means God and the people and the place. Those three things intertwine. There's this holy braid that happens. And when I was a student, it didn't really make any sense to me. Now it does. Mm. See, I had a very opposite uh, experience growing up. I grew up in a small town. I mean, we knew the guy who picked up the garbage. He ha- he owned the garbage truck and we knew him. Wow. His, yeah, his name was Bob Tracy. I still, you know, so we would actually go over, you know, t- to the Tracy's house occasionally. I bet it smelled and- wonderful. <laughs> Well, it, no, there's a lot of stigma attached and all that kind of stuff. But no, it wasn't It wasn't like that at all. It was, you know, because I went to school with their kid. Mm-hmm. I was in class with their kid, you know. And we would get done with school. My parents owned a cafe, so we would walk to the cafe. We would get something to eat. And then we would walk to um, the local auto mechanics. And because so many oil companies would come through um, the town in Wyoming... They were fixing big trucks all the time. And so a lot of times when they were changing tires and stuff, they would have the huge inner tubes Mm -hmm. and they would blow them up for us. And then we'd go fishing and tubing down, you know, down whatever local back, you know. See, I have no, I have no concept of that. And we came in when it was dark and, you know, and that was, that was, that was about it. And then you went home and you did chores and, and so, you know. Mayberry. Mayberry. Yeah, it really was. Well, the bus was basically a big van, and it came to our front door, and it took us to, took us to school. We had the elementary, the middle school, and the high school were right next door to each other. Mm-hmm. So very very small classes. My second grade teacher, her family owned owned a dairy farm, and so she would take kids every weekend by two or three to her house to spend the weekend with her. And we would learn all about the dairy farm. And that was when I was in second grade, you know. So, and, you know, you'd just pack your bags and you'd go with your teacher and because see, everybody knew everybody That kind else. of thing would be the stuff of lawsuits now, right? But Oh, sure. But the thing is, I, I, I did not have a concept of that. And I think like most Americans of our generation, I didn't have a concept of that. I think what you're describing is fairly exceptional. It would have been more commonplace in the 1950s, let's say. But it certainly wasn't something that I had any real exposure to. Did you I never didn't... play baseball in the street or, you know? No. I mean, I remember, like, you know, going out and playing, you know, cops and robbers. and No, I mean, and I know, played with some neighborhood kids and... a little bit. But neighborhood didn't mean anything because it was just a generic subdivision where the houses all looked like the subdivision next to it. It was just endless tracts of, uh, remember that movie Poltergeist? It looked, everything looked like that. Yeah, but see, you we know? had that when we moved to Florida because my mom, uh, her parents were in Gulfport and we moved to Gulfport. So we were in St. Pete mm-hmm. and at that time. And so we, we'd go out and start a game of baseball or something else and all the other kids would just come out and join us. So maybe it's just a mindset. Maybe it's just well, where, I where think you that, know, what your, what your expectations are, maybe kind of follow you. Well, you brought, know. you brought small town with you. But the thing is, I, I think that it is absolutely symptomatic of uh, Western culture in general, but I think that that has a basis in something else too. I think that something happened and we as a culture decided that the goal was not to be where we were. Mm. Now, you can blame that on a million things. You can blame it on a materialist culture that says, 
what you have isn't good, you need to buy the next version of it. So there's always the newer car or the better thing. And nobody fixes anything anymore. We're always looking for the next thing. That's a piece of it. I suppose you can go there. You can absolutely blame it on a, a religious metaphor where the idea is don't be here, escape, and go somewhere else. You can blame it on the, the concept of interchangeability where, like I said, you go to another town and the same stores are there. You know, there's a McDonald's in every town, you know, or whatever it is. There's th That became a cultural value when in previous generations it wasn't particularly See, interesting. See, I didn't even go to McDonald's until I came to Florida. We didn't, I mean, that was mm -hmm. not something that I grew up, because it well, was like a I small said, town. You were a weird kid. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you. You were weird, and that's great, but you were weird. And you were absolutely going against the grain of the direction that culture was going, to mix my metaphors a little bit. And... I didn't even know that was a thing. I thought that's what we were supposed to buy into. At some point, I thought that was part of the American dream, was just generic interchangeability. Mm. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older, I started to think about what was interesting, mm. what was important, what was fun. And I began to realize that there was something very different going on. And for me, it was a lot of little things. It was that moment with the Chicago Bulls. It was realizing that being here in St. Petersburg, the finest city on the face of the earth, there's an element of local pride. You know, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but when we go watch the, the Rays play at Tropicana Field in downtown St. Pete, it's the town is there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's when we walk through the neighborhood and we say hi to people and the people at Kawa Coffee know our coffee order when we walk in the door. And yeah, and Aaron makes the best latte she's amazing she really does she's make a hero. the best latte but but the thing is it's it's all of those little moments where where you begin to realize oh wait human beings mm -hmm. and it's so funny today we were in target and the target store near us has a, a part that's devoted to the self-service checkout mm -hmm. and that's very convenient but it also means here's another area of life where you do not have to interact with a human being and so oh gosh efficiency but what to, to do what to go do more generic things you know there's there's a lot to think about there and for me it all comes back of course because this is i'm a preacher so everything comes back to a spiritual idea a religious idea for me a big part of that has its roots in a religious concept built on escape if you're trying to get away you know and there's a piece of that that you see in all kinds of funny places when you think about the idea that the goal for a lot of ministers, I'm going to say 98% of them, the vast majority, the goal is to build some huge church the size of a baseball stadium mm -hmm. that doesn't really interact with people's lives where they come in once a week, they sit, they say amen at the right time, and then they go home. Yeah, it's fast food church. And and billions and billions served. That's the measure of success. But also that you could, if you had superpowers, you could uproot one of those big churches and plop it down in the next town over or three states over. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't change anything about the people who went or what happened in the service or anything else. The goal is complete uh, generic interchangeability. And... I didn't understand that that was weird. Mm. I, it didn't occur to me until, like I said, 
the past decade, let's say, it, it didn't occur to me that, wait a minute, that's not a good goal at all. In the same way that McDonald's is not good food at all. And, you know, it's such a funny thing. When I was a kid, I ate a lot of McDonald's. And now if I were to go to McDonald's, I mean, first of all, there's not a lot for vegetarians there. But if I were to eat the fries, I would feel sick. Well, the fries aren't vegetarian either. Well, so I know, but you, you know what I you mean. You can't eat them there. Okay, anyway. well, if I could get down with a McGriddle, <laughs> I would, it, it, it's, uh, it would be satisfying in the moment because it is the, uh, it is a simulacrum of food. It's not food. It's like food. And I think Unity's answer to that, even though we're not trying to escape per se, um, we're trying to be right here. Although I do think that people, you know, think about other things all the time. But I think Unity's answer is, you know, having just a room full of me monkeys because we're so, (laughs) yeah, because we're so interested. Well, but, but really, I mean, you know, and I, I say that in, in the kindest way possible. Well, we're allowed to say that we can speak about our people, so to speak, you know. And so you're in a room full of people that are only concerned about their consciousness and their prosperity and their level of living and what they're thinking and what they're doing. And I don't think, well... It doesn't feel as if most people really, really want to connect in a different way, which is ironic because unity, hello, we, we, you know, we're all about connections. And so you face that a lot of times. But I, I really think the majority of people that enter a unity church are thinking about how can I get something for me? Yes. And if I'm okay, well then, you know, it's kind of like the the old idea of trickle-down economics, which is not really, you know, a happy thing uh, to think it about. It tends not to trickle down. Right, it tends not to. So it's like, okay, well let me get myself happy first, and then everybody else will be happy. And I do think that there is a certain... Mm, there's a certain truth to that because you know you have phrases like if mommy ain't happy ain't nobody well, happy you, you know, can't and- give something that you don't have sure. and you do have to accept your good however that's different that's not what i'm talking about i'm right. not talking about basic self-care that's not what that's not what i'm saying and i'm not saying that you have to give everything and you have to just go and turn your life over to everybody else because that sucks too that doesn't work either because you have to take care of yourself. You have to preserve your prayer time, your idea of prosperity, and and what brings you happiness and brings you peace. Yes, absolutely. Okay, now that we have cleared that up, I think it goes beyond that for most Unity people. Well, and I think, sorry, I'm on a rant here, and I'll let, I'll let you talk in just a second, but, but I think that there is a trace of larceny Something for nothing. That runs through, that people are trying to get something for nothing, that they just have to figure out how to game the system, say the right words, wear the right thing, go to the right place, and everything will, like, be okay. And if that's okay, then, well, then, then, you know, the people around me can share in my, in my goodness. Well, here's my rant. Okay, I got a rant for your rant. Here's where I think it starts. I think that... Ideas about escape, the idea that where I am is utterly no good and something else, heaven, nirvana, whatever it is, something far away 
is the only goal. If I really feel that way, that the good is something wholly other than what I am, ironically, it takes away any desire to play the long game. Because it, it it's the Superman thing. Superman is so great. Well, who cares? I got nothing in common with him. I might as well be a purse snatcher, so to speak. And so what happens is, in mainstream religiosity, if, if, if heaven is somewhere far away and it has almost nothing to do with me, then I don't need to focus on being where I am. And instead, what can I get out of it right now? Do I, do I just come to church to just get prayed up? And Okay, fine. That's what I do because I have, it's unknowable. Well, that's a real problem. But the problem becomes worse if I happen to go to a church that says, oh, well, you know what? We just accept all transcendent ideas and all religions and they all say the same thing and there's no knowable and and what's God like? Well, we don't know. And it's all of a sudden, it's even further away. And so all you have left is, is, well, can I use these ideas to manifest for myself a new car? Because now it's pushed the concept of the divine even further away to where I got nothing in common with this concept and I don't even, I wouldn't know it if I saw it. And so all I've got left is this weird law of attraction kind of a thing where all I'm trying to do is manifest my dream job or my soulmate. And you know what? That's fine. You're entitled to have a good job and and a loving partner and all that. But that is not the goal. Those kinds of things are supposed to be a byproduct of your relationship with spirit. But if spirit is so far away, and this is not unity, this is what has become of unity, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the idea of, well, you know what, now we're not even going to call it God. So you've just take, taken this whole yeah, idea, even... Yeah, spirit or, you know, and, and not, to, not to demean, I, I don't want to It doesn't have that, to but, be called God, but my right. point is that it has been removed even from where it is in mainstream religion, at least... Most people that go to mega churches in the mainstream tradition will say, well, I have some kind of a personal relationship with, let's say, Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's gone for, for a lot of people within the new thought realm. And what I am proposing, once again, that's not unity. That's what has happened in unity. But if you go back to what the Fillmore's wrote about, but let's go back even further. The thing that keeps sticking out for me is that Jesus never preached a gospel of escape. His whole thing was being present, showing up where you are, helping people. And in fact, he got in a lot of trouble because the the religious authorities of the day said, you can't do healing. You can't talk about God stuff. You can't do this work on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, look, I'm here now. I'm going to do this here now because there are people that need help here and now. Right. And he got in trouble because you weren't supposed to share these ideas with people who were different. And Jesus represents embracing that, welcoming the stranger like we've talked about before, this wild, passionate idea of radical mercy, uncompromising love, and real presence in the world. The thing that, that drives me drives me crazy in a positive way, I'm so excited about it, is in the beginning of the Gospel of John, there's this quote, the word became flesh and walked among us. And depending on your Bible translation, one of my favorite Bible translations translates it like this. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. 
I love that. I and, adore that. And I think more of that needs to happen. You know, we met the one of the chefs at the museum cafe restaurant today. He was out filming, he saw dolphins in the bay, and he was out filming the dolphins. And we just stopped and chatted with him for a little while. But yeah. now we know him, and every time we go back into the museum cafe, we're going to be able to say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, good, good to see you again. You know, what a nice conversation. You know, and I think that that is just so important. And and I think you just have to start there. Look up from your phone. Pay attention to the people around you. Smile. Ask people their names. You know, it, it, it's just one of those things. And, and I've always asked people their names. I think that there is something really profound about this concept. We serve God by serving his children. You know, a lot of people spend time waiting for God to show up, waiting for God to give them an answer, waiting for God to heal them or prosper them or bless them in some way, waiting for God to show up. But you know as well as I do that God doesn't come here, God's here. We don't go see God later, God's here. And until you know that God is here, it's not going to get any better anywhere else you are. You know there's no geographical cure, whether it's physical or in the afterlife. There's no geographical cure. The idea is that God is never for a moment separate from his creation. It's about understanding that God is right here. So it's not waiting for God, but rather I want to change that into the idea of waiting on God. Just like if you were a waiter or a waitress waiting tables, your job is to show up to God and say, here's what I have to offer. What can I do for you? And you let God place the order and you carry it out. That's how it works. You have a job, you show up, you're earnest and caring, and you present what's on your menu. Here's what, here's my best. And in fact, I have some recommendations for you, you know? And then you, you serve God, not just in the abstract, but you serve God by serving his children. What can I do for you right now? And P.S., who are you? It makes me think of the teenagers that we've worked with for more than a decade. And wow. I still, even if they've graduated and moved on and girlfriends, babies, boyfriends, marriages, engagements, you know, over a lot happens in 11 years, yes, you know, to, to the, those kids that we were sponsors to a million years ago. But I still remember all of their birthdays and remember what they're doing and where they're going on. And I think that connection is forever. But the current teenagers, along with teenagers from the past, would always say, you can't get away with anything because Jenny knows everything. <laughs> She'll, she will find out. She knows everything. Just come clean. Be honest. And they're like, you know, it's akin to superhuman powers at this point. It's it, my knowledge. I hope none of them are listening to this podcast. Right. My knowledge has become, you know. Mm -hmm. And the secret is what... And I've told them this. They were like, how do you know everything? The not so secret secret. The not so secret secret is I pay attention. And I listen when they speak. And I genuinely care about where they're going and the decisions that they're making. So much so that they forget that they've told me. And so when I bring it up to a couple of weeks later, I was like, well, weren't you thinking about this and doing this and that? And, and they were like, how did you know I was thinking about that? And I want to go in that moment, I want to go, dummy, you told me about it. <laughs> but I think that that's the, I think that that's the teenage mind, you know, and, uh, but I also think that caring 
genuinely caring about other people. And, you know, for us, it has, our life has been filled with teenagers for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're kind of moving out of that phase a little bit. Yeah, we're less mom and dad figures to these teens and becoming more like grandparent figures, yeah, well, which I'm comfortable with. They're going to come to our houseboat and hang out. It's oh, my be God. They uh, have to just keep fitting You know, there. one of them did ask, well, where are we going to sit? Because they come to our house a lot. And Every Thursday you know, at least. Yeah, yeah, they wanted to make sure that we were, were going to have room for them. So you're going to have to fight that battle later on. But but no, I think that we're, you know, as our kids get older, I think it's a gradual movement into that. It's very organic. It's an organic movement into the things that our kids are interested in. And as they grow, we kind of grow with them. And I just think you do that with your kids no matter what. Mm -hmm. You know, when they're babies, you're interested in all things babies. And when they're toddlers, sure, you're watching toddler shows. So, you know, but but yeah, I think the, again, the not-so-secret secret is pay attention. Dig in. You know, and that's, yeah. the, that's the title of this segment of our podcast every week. But I mean that very seriously. Dig into what is going on right now. Because right now, God is present. Right now, the potential is here. Right now, the universe is asking, who are you? Right now. Yeah, one of our favorite baristas is moving back up to Milwaukee, Milwaukee to go to school. And I will genuinely miss her. But, you know, we kind of <laughs> went out of our way to, you know, be sweet and send her off. And, and you know, she was really happy about it. She's like, oh, you're going to see me? I'm not leaving for two weeks. And so we've made an effort. But... To let her know that she's impacted our lives just even by giving us a cup of coffee, you know, every other day. That's important and it doesn't, you know, on paper it doesn't seem important, but it is. It is deeply important. Those moments are profound and honest and sweet and you're making that connection with that other person. You well, there's a, there's a quote from The Hobbit that I'll be darned if I can remember. I'm going to look it up after we get done our recording this. Our daughter would know. Yeah, because our daughter actually knows how to speak Elvish, and we'll talk about that some other time. We need to do a podcast about being nerds. But anyway, there's a there's a quote in The Hobbit where Gandalf says, you know, that the good happens not in some giant victory, slaying the dragon or whatever, but rather it's in the little things. It's in the little moments. You know, when we live in this interchangeable culture where everything is just kind of watered down and generic, some people have the idea that doing good is a matter of writing a check to some faceless organization somewhere else and you don't know where it goes and all of that. And you know what? If you feel led to do that, that's great too. But that should be in addition to being present in the neighborhood. There are things you can do right where you are where you can go make a sandwich for a homeless person and hand it to them. And even if it's not that level of social work, activism kind of stuff, you can march in something. You can sign up for something. Or you can just say hi to somebody on the street. You know, it doesn't always have to be that every nanosecond is saving the world. It's just a matter of being in the world. That's the thing. I think the quote that you're thinking about is when he's He's sitting, talking to Galadriel. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think he is. And I think the one you're thinking about is, I found it is the small everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay. Mm -hmm. Small acts of kindness and love. There it is. That's it. And I think that the, that's, that's it. what he says. And see, that's the thing. That's how this works. Some people save all of their, their good 
for the right people. But God's put the right people right in front of you. Sometimes people save the, their best version of themselves or whatever for some kind of rainy day. And that's crazy too. Show up. Dig in. Let the world know who you are. Wait on God because God is right now. And you know as well as I do. This is the thing. This can be for self-preservation too because you know as well as I do that if you don't get whatever lesson life has for you, the universe has a way of turning up the volume. And you and I and everybody listening can identify with this. There have been times in your life where you weren't listening, you weren't paying attention, or you just had to have it your own way, and life said, no, we're not going to do it that way. And you said, no, we're doing it my way. And you went back and forth, and every time it got more intense. And I have absolutely had the rug yanked out from under me on stuff because that's just how I needed to learn. Because that voice will call you in whatever way you're receptive to. If you read scripture, there are some enlightened individuals where the angel representing that divine idea just shows up and says, you know, here's what we're going to do now. But man, oh man, there's lots of times where the voice doesn't happen until the person is dreaming. You know, or until it's so bad. You know, Daniel's in the lion's den. You know, well, before gonna, you get that clarity. Yeah, I'm going to take this opportunity to say most times in the Bible, when God or angels come to women in the Bible, they're always awake. Mm-hmm. And when they come to men in the Bible, the men have to be asleep. That's, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And, and remember that. I just think that's funny. I think it's great. I think there's something really powerful about that. But so be like that. Be aware. Be open. And be a presence in your town. Take a minute and think about ways you can turn your back a little bit on participating in the big chains. Is there a mom and pop store where you can spend a little bit more and get the product and actually deal with human beings and the money goes back into your community? Is there a way that you can have a family meal that isn't built around efficiency but presence? Is there something little that you can do to you know, not park your car in front of the building, but walk around the block and see other people that are always sitting on that bench. Maybe one of them could use a sandwich. There's a lot going on right in front of you. And now is the time to be going on too. So this is the time when we get to our listen up segment of the uh, podcast. And listen up is where people write in questions. There's all kinds of ways to send us questions. We love to know what you want to know. So please keep the questions coming. And Jenny, you've got the question this time around. I do. And this one comes from Cindy O. Thank you, Cindy. And she asks, I'm in a rut. What are some real things I can do to shake things up and get unstuck? (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't mean to laugh at you cindy i i'm i'm chuckling because this is the question right that so many people have i mean this is the the, the massive people living in quiet uh desperation as uh, as thoreau said it, it's that's the thing you know we're encouraged to just sit and consume so that you can work to support a life that you have to work to support you know, it's the, they call it the rat race. It's that thing. And it's so easy to, to buy into the idea that you have nothing to offer. So just put your head down. Just do the next thing 
anesthetize a little bit with whatever the TV's got for you, you know, and that sort of thing. You know, and smarter people than me have talked at much greater length about that. But yeah, it, it's a totally valid thing. It's easy. So See, what are some of the things that you do? I know what I do to kind of get unstuck and get out of a rut. So, you know, I mean, do you have do you have certain things? I know mine are kind of silly. That's fine. Let's start with silly. Um, But like I know um, if I'm feeling like a little bit stuck or I can't think or I'm trying to write notes or I will sit in a different spot on the couch or in the living room. Mm -hmm. And I know it sounds really funny, but everybody has their spot, right? I bet everybody has their chair that they sit in. Sure. I mean, it's very Archie Bunker, you know, and Edith, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. You're Where dating it's like, yourself, my love. Well, that's all right. You know, that's a good show. Everybody should watch it. Norman, um, it's on. It's on reruns and so you can see it, mm -hmm. you know, all the and time. And we'll pretend that's where you encountered it. Sure, sure. But no, really, I mean, it's, it's very easy to sit in your spot, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's mom's spot. That's dad's spot. You know, there there's things like that. But if you just look just the function of looking at the room from a different angle. Well, and it's just stuff like that, right? right? Like order, don't order your usual at the restaurant. Try something different. Don't drive the same way to work, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I and I, it's just small things to kind of you know, because when I feel stuck or in a rut or something, where it's just like the same old, same old, I'm like, all right, no, okay, think about it a different way. It's and if you just change your physical body about it, maybe. You know, maybe don't park in the same spot that you always park at when you go to the grocery store. Maybe try something different. Mm -hmm. Or, I don't know, walk the grocery store in, in the reverse order that you always go in. Instead of starting with the produce or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that there's something really powerful about that. And it does seem silly, but the idea is start shaking up what you can shake up. And the one of the beautiful things about that is it costs you nothing mm -hmm. in terms of time, money, attention, anguish, it costs you nothing to shake things up in that way. And I think that that's totally valid. I think that that's a, that's a great way to go. It's a wonderful way to open the door to creativity, provided that along the way, you try to listen to the different messages that you get from life by doing that. Well, I think that, you know, you, you can do those physical things, like if you have writer's block, or if you're, you know, trying to just make a difference you know mentally in your life mm -hmm. but I think that that can absolutely be applied spiritually you know if that's what she's talking about if she's talking about her prosperity because she's not clear in the question yeah. so we're assuming a lot but that's mm -hmm. okay we do that's what we do anyway sure. um but so if it's prosperity or if it's your spirituality or if it's a relationship, you know, wherever you're feeling stuck, I think that that can, that can absolutely well, be it's, applied. It's like, try thinking about it a different way. If you're always, if you're always thinking about paying your bills and you're always kind of ticked off and, and angry when you're paying your bills, maybe sit in a different spot and give thanks as you're writing the checks you know for, i mean we don't use checks anymore and again i'm i'm between archie bunker and checks when you're I'm sending really, a telegraph oh no gram. well anyway you know and i don't even use checks anymore i do everything online sure sure but when i did use checks back in the day i would always write in the memo line you know thank you and sometimes if i knew who it was going to i would say thank you god mm -hmm. you know i didn't want to 
put that on other people. You don't want to beat somebody over but the head with for, it. But for me, it was a reminder to be grateful. So, I mean, if you take that into prosperity, and now that I do everything online, I still do the same thing. I'm like, thank you that the bills got paid this month, and, you know, we'll deal with it on, on another level. And I think also... A long, long time ago, it really occurred to me dealing with prosperity, I think. Um, you know, Jesus, it's give us this day our daily bread. Uh-huh. Be grateful that you, ha- you, know, you have it today. So a long time ago, if I was getting nervous or if I was feeling stuck, you know, in, in a rut, I would say there is enough for today. That concept of enough is huge. Right? Yeah. And I think that that getting being thankful is a piece of it. Turn around and and count your blessings, so to speak. But also, just as you were starting to say, I think that that shaking things up on a spiritual level as well is there. Do you pray the same prayer every day? Does it mean anything to you anymore, or is it rote? This mm-hmm. is important. Change some things around. Do you have well, a go-to funny. book that you always read? That book will still be there. You don't have to quit reading the book, but Set it aside for a little while. Stop reading Catherine Ponder. Start reading Eric Butterworth, for example. Read something different. Do something different. Have a different practice. Well, you just told me the other day that you do the, when you get up, you do the invocation. Yeah, Charles Charles Fillmore invocation. Yeah. Um, And you were just saying that, you know, you have to get better. You have to do something else because it has become, you know, you still enjoy saying it and it's still a really good morning ritual for you. But something needs to change for you exactly in, that, in so. that area. Because I have gotten to the point where, you know, I love Charles Fillmore's invocation. I'm now in the presence of pure being and immersed in the Holy Spirit of life, love, and wisdom. I acknowledge thy presence and thy power, O blessed Spirit, and thy divine wisdom. I now erase all mortal limitations and from thy pure substance of love bring into manifestation my world according to thy perfect law. That's beautiful. And it's not just beautiful. It's meaningful because... Back in the day, that's what they said at the beginning of every class in Unity School and, and that sort of thing. There's something gorgeous about it. And for a very, very long time, I would say that after the alarm the alarm would go off and I'd turn off the alarm and before my feet hit the floor every morning, I would say that. And I still do it every single morning. However, I have learned that I can be saying that prayer to myself and at the same time be thinking about what emails might be waiting for me. Mm. And that means I need to change it up. Yeah. It's time. Yeah. And that's a funny thing. I don't know if everybody works this way, but I can speak for myself. I have a I I don't want to say a different prayer because I have like a loyalty to the prayer. Charles Fillmore doesn't care. Jesus wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not about the words. This is not about a, a mechanical process. This is about where's your heart. So take a moment. And so I think that that's beautiful. So your answer would be shake things up physically, metaphysically, every other way, right? That's what you're saying? I think so. And and again, I always I always come from a physical place. I'm the one, I'm, I'm the doer. Go make something, mm-hmm. go work, you know, go work out, go do something. I, I tend to, I tend to deal with physical first and then spiritual second. Mm-hmm. And I think you're the exact opposite. I think that you deal with spiritual first and then physical next. Sure. So for me, it's like, you know, wear something different, change your lipstick, you know, turn the air up or down, you know, buy a new pair of shoes, 
but I'm still on my no buys and I'm doing really good, everybody. So, um, that's right. Mother's Day is coming. I know. Cause I have, I'm, I have, I'm like, the gifts are, are going to be even better because I haven't been buying anything. Oh, I've got some groovy stuff for you. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so I think that if somebody were to ask me that, and interestingly enough, somebody just has, I think I would have two answers, two steps you can take. And step one is stop medicating. And I mean that very seriously. It's easy when you feel frustrated. And and Cindy, I'm not saying that this applies to you specifically, but I can tell you for sure that most people, when they feel that they're in a rut, one of the very, very common tendencies is to medicate. So you don't feel the frustration. And that can mean all kinds of things. Some people medicate with medication, whether that's alcohol or something a little more pharmaceutical. But it can also be just whatever distracts you. People get distracted with things like television, with Facebook and Candy Crush. People get distracted by participating in drama and gossip. People medicate in all kinds of ways. If it takes your mind out of where you are right now, it is a kind of medication. Now look, medication can be very healthy if you've broken your leg and something like that, but you don't want to stay in that space. So part one is stop medicating. In other words, look at the things that you do. Take an inventory of your day and your what they call attention collection and and see if there are some things that are uh, distractions, medications, and see if you can cut back in whatever way. Just find a little bit of focus. So part one is stop medicating and part two is find something that you love to do. And it's even better if it's something that you don't get paid for. It's even better if it's something that maybe you're not even very good at. Although if you're good at it, that's great. But the point is you're not doing it because somebody's going to applaud and you're not going to do it because there's a paycheck in it. Instead, find something that you do it just because it is inherently fulfilling. It makes your heart sing. And it doesn't matter if it's a tiny thing. It doesn't matter if it's a silly thing. Do you like to ride a bicycle and when nobody's looking, can you still pop a wheelie? It doesn't matter what it is. It is can you sing perfect pitch when you're in the shower and nobody's around? It doesn't matter what it is. But find something that, that just absolutely makes your heart sing. And in the process of doing it, you'll remember that you're allowed to feel that way in more than just that one space. What I'm suggesting is that muscle will get bigger. You will get better at living from a place of passion. Now, I want to warn you, if you become that kind of a person, oh boy, you know, talking about medication, you can get hooked on that passion. And that's the secret. You get hungry for a life that makes sense to your heart. You get hungry for, for, for the idea that I'm allowed to, to, to live a life that, that makes my heart sing all the time, not just in special secret moments. And that's when you become just the best kind of dangerous. All right, it's time to check it out. And that is the part of the podcast where we tell you what we've been up to, where you can find us, how you can meet us, uh, the things that we're doing. So first thing on the list, Dieter, is your Bible class yeah, Tuesdays. We just started. Just had the first one this last Tuesday. You're, it's not too late to, to join in. In fact, any 
you could go to just the last one and get something out of it. It's really, really powerful. It, it's The Bible class is so important, and obviously I'm a Bible person. It means an awful lot to me, but we've got people in the class who are coming because they are curious about this this book that they kind of know about but they don't have an experience with we've got people in the class who are coming because they've had a really negative experience where somebody quoting the bible has made them feel bad in the process and everything in between and so it's been really really interesting just the one class we've had and i'm excited about it and that is on tuesdays at seven o'clock at seven to eight thirty and it's at First Unity Church, and that's firstunity.org. But the best place to find out about everything we're doing is by going to our website and clicking on events, and you can see what's going on there. But the class is free. It's on a love offering basis, so there's no you know admission or ticket or you don't have to read, reserve or anything. Just show up, and it's awesome. And then you'll be speaking May 21st at First Unity. You'll be doing the Sunday service at the 930 and the and 11 30 mm-hmm. and so that you'll be flying solo on that one i will not be uh participating with you in that lesson so i look forward to just kind of watching you and being in the audience but coming up on june 25th That's you right. and i will be back at it again we'll be doing a, our branching in talk at north tampa and we'll also be doing a workshop i'm really excited about that because unity of north tampa has been a storefront church and uh, they've been looking for a new piece of property forever and it reminds me of when we got started we were in a storefront church mm-hmm. in north tampa i mean yeah different end of town but but still it, there was it there were parts of that really felt familiar to me and so i have layers of elation to note that when we go back to unity of north tampa on the 25th They'll be in their new building. Yeah. I'm, I'm so, so happy for happy. them. Yeah, I was and, gonna say so happy yeah, for them. Super excited. So really looking forward to that. And as always, you can find out more about all of that by going to the website. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to remind everybody of those things that we have been doing. Wednesday mornings, if you're interested in coming with us on one of the walks that we talk about all of the time on the podcast, you can meet us at North Shore Beach uh Wednesday mornings. 7.20 a.m. I know that it's early, but you get to kind of see the sun coming up and it's gorgeous. The other thing that we're doing that we just started doing this last week is that we are live streaming our Thursday Bible discussion group. And that happens at 8 o'clock at night, 8 p.m. on Thursdays. On Facebook on Live? On Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. And you can join anytime. And we will be archiving them so you can actually go back right now and watch last Thursdays. But we're going to be doing it live every single Thursday. Right. And um, we're hoping to incorporate some music that the kids are doing and all kinds of different so stuff. So here's how to find that. The best way is to find us on Facebook and like our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. And the best way to find us on Facebook is go to our website, and at the bottom of every single page, there's a link to Facebook. That way, that's the easiest way to find us. But if you like us on Facebook, and you'll you, be notified of when you'll we get go a live. Noti- exactly. Yeah, so. and if you're familiar with Facebook, which I yeah. who on the planet is not, but you got to tell um, these people because it- <laughs> sure, sure, because that one person out there that's listening to the podcast that does not know how Facebook works. But anyway, um, and again, you can come and join us on Sundays as well. Um, Thirty minutes before the sun sets, we are at. St. Pete Beach, and we just sort of do, we've started referring to Wednesday morning and Sunday nights as St. Pete 
sunshine celebrations. I love it. And just you get to watch it come up and we get to watch it go down. And it just is this beautiful way to end and begin the week on Sundays. We've been applauding. I think we had a group of probably a dozen last week and we sort of all applauded when the sun went yeah, down and, and it was just very sweet and St. Pete Beach is a pretty big place so we park at the Dolphin Village it's a public beach access and it's towards the south end of St. Petersburg Beach there's a grocery store across the street some people park in the grocery store parking lot some people park at the beach access parking lot doesn't matter but about a half hour before sunset if you park there and go out to the beach and walk a little bit south You'll see us there. Mm -hmm. That's the way that that works. Yeah, you'll find us. You'll find us. So we just want to invite everybody. Those are the things that we are doing in our neighborhood. What are you doing in yours? We encourage you, if you can't come up and join us, maybe be with us in spirit. Go out to somewhere. Go out to the beach. If If you can't be at the beach, maybe go outside. Watch the sunset. Be with the people that you love. Be in your neighborhood. And know that you're not alone. Yeah, absolutely, because we are there with you in spirit. And once again, you can always find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Come follow us. Stay in the know, and you'll figure out what we're up to. Yeah, and let us know what, what's going on with you. Let us know things that you want us to talk about on the podcast. Send in your questions and all of that sort of thing. It, it, it's really wonderful to build this community, and I'm so Happy, proud, excited, and grateful that things are growing and going the way that they are. So, Dieter. I can't imagine what you're going to ask me. Let's wrap it up. (laughs) There's no accidents. You know this. There's simply no room for them in this universe. And that means that, that... Wherever you are, God is. It means that wherever you are, potential is. It means that wherever you are, there's something that you're supposed to be learning and doing and sharing and partaking in. All of this amazing dance is happening right now, so get off the wall, so to speak. It is absolutely time to put your phone down, to pay attention. And you'd stop with the Facebook or the Candy Crush or whatever if... Jesus was in the room. You would, right? Of course you would. Well, what I'm suggesting is that, yes, Jesus and, and, and so many others made big claims on God, but they did so using the same heart that you have, the same mind that you have, the same potential, the same divine inheritance that you have. There is nothing different. The only difference is that Jesus knew who he was. And the only way for you to learn who you are is to stop medicating and start engaging. Be where you are. Be a presence in the neighborhood of your life. Be a presence with the people around you. What can you do to show up for your life? Ask yourself that question. Write it on something. Put it on a post-it note and look in the mirror and see it every day. What can I do to show up today? I promise, it'll make you a better romantic partner. It'll make you a better worker at your job. Show up for it. And things begin to change. Woody Allen said 80% of life is just showing up, and he was on to something. Show up for your life, because I'm telling you, your life is ready for you, hungry for you, needs you. And that special gift 
that only you can give. This podcast is recorded at Pinfeather Studios. On the orange couch, which would probably fit in a houseboat, really, but... It may. We'll talk. And our sound engineer is the handsome and strong Raina Randolph. She just makes this happen in so many ways, and we're grateful for her. We're also grateful for her because she is half of the music you hear, and the other half is the lovely and talented Miles Randolph, who is just a force of nature. This podcast is supported solely by you. You know what that means. It means that we need you to spread the word. Tell somebody about this podcast. Tell somebody about our website. Tell somebody about the stuff that's going on, the Facebook Live thing, the the whole thing, Instagram, whatever. Share the pictures. Send somebody a link through email. Tweet something. Let somebody know. We want this to be shared with the world, and that means we need you. So that's part of what you can do. And, and the other thing you can do is write us a review. Go to wherever you're listening to this podcast, iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or wherever it is, and write us the best review you can because that's how the word gets spread. Go find our book on Amazon, Branching In, The Journey from Alone to All One. Write a good review. Uh, writing that book changed our life. This thing we're doing, this podcast, this website, this entropic web enterprise is changing everything for us and we're so grateful that people have written us and said that it's made a difference in their life too in some small way or big way or whatever thanks for sharing that please keep sharing it share it with us share it with the world let people know because we are absolutely all in this together so thank you have a wonderful week get out in your neighborhood meet somebody say hi to people and have a beautiful Happy, happy week. Thanks for listening.